So this is Nico Muley, and um, I'm sitting in my house in New York, and, and Ken, where, who are you and where are you? <laughs> I'm Ken Verdoya. I'm an author, historian, and documentary producer, and right now I'm high up in the mountains of Colorado connecting with you to discuss Dark Sisters and the great issues that are at play in this extraordinary work that's coming out this fall. I, I, Dark Sisters, I should, I should point out, is, is um, a chamber opera, and um, it, it loosely is based on a, on a polygamist family um, who, uh, in, in our fictional world, live in some, somewhere in, in the Utah-Arizona border area, and um, the, the opera starts when the children have been taken away by Child Protective Services and essentially traces the women's uh, sort of nav- navigating this new political and emotional reality of, of, um, of the government raid. And, um, and by extension, it explores great issues of the free exercise of religion, what constitutes religious expression in this country, and how does marriage come to be defined by society, and what is aberrant, and what's constant, and what's consistent with the dreams of an ordered society. So there are great issues at play as we explore this very, very unique American family in Dark Sisters. I was wondering, you know, I talk, talking about age, I, and just thinking about the the current generation of of people there, we're 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 coming up on a time when pe- when there won't be many people who remember 1953, and I'm wondering how how that how you think that's going to change the kind of mythology of the of the first government raid. Well, two observations come to mind, Nico. First is every generation dating back to 18. 18- 45 has sworn that the next generation could never possibly carry forward plural marriage because surely society has become too modern we're too enlightened the communication is too effective they will be exposed to too many other ways to live and surely plural marriage cannot survive well they've been saying that since 1850 and yet it still endures so i i think that's one of the big aspects to keep in mind as we think of Are we at the turning point where plural marriage can no longer sustain itself? The other aspect is every time a man gets prosecuted for plural marriage and he goes to prison or he's held in a jail, he goes to trial, when he emerges, and he always does emerge, he emerges with a badge of honor on him for having stood in the face of the fire and not given ground on his religion. And this, too, goes back 150 years in time to people who were incarcerated in the Utah Territorial Prison or the Utah State Prison or the Arizona jail system. These people, when they're released, come back to their families and they're exalted. And they're almost like they're returning war veterans with decorations with the Purple Heart and the Silver Star on their breast for having stood their ground for something they believed in. Interesting. And so, and, and so, and do you feel like but the raids, the raids are a little different, though, because it was, what, what, end, because the end was, because that was the first time the children were, were sort of taken away, was it not, or had that happened before? Oh, well, in, in, in the 1950s, you mean? Yes. Yeah, the, the 1950s, the children were, were taken away, and that's why the raid at the ranch in Texas is very similar in many respects to the 1950 raid. But there were efforts to take the children into custody 
back in the 1930s as well in Salt Lake City. And there was an effort in the 1880s to create the Women's Christian Industrial Home in Salt Lake City so that women could flee with their children to a safe haven and, and get away from the, uh, the bonds of plural marriage. And each one of these has had um, very, very limited success in putting success in quotes. Because when you're a five-year-old child, the only thing you want to cleave onto is your mother. Your mom, And right. a lot of these women are good, loving mothers. They care for their children. They invest themselves wholly in the family unit. And so they are engaged, caring, dry-the-tears types of moms. Now, some of their parenting skills obviously is at substantial odds with contemporary society. But still, those children, when they're young, cleave unto mother and hold on to her. She is the durable. Where father comes and goes, right. mother is always there. And so this whole notion of separating children from mother always plays out bad in the press. Just as bad as it played out in the press where they show the kids behind the chain link fence uh, when they were taken into custody by Texas authorities. authorities. Those were the same image, images they had in the 1950s in, in Arizona. Magazine, right. It was, was it Life that published that sort of famous dossier of... of sort of right, right. And, and the Arizona National Guard actually went around and took pictures in Colorado City of the children as evidence in the cases. And the kids are, their faces are tear-stained. Right. They're holding onto their mom's aprons. The women are shattered. And... And, and all of this plays out on a public sentiment of that big question, what is the government doing with and in this family? Right. And that's such, that's such an interesting thing. I mean, not, now because, you know, you, even, if, even if it's not about polygamy, the, the notion of what makes up a family is something that Americans are very happy to argue about in a variety of ways. I mean, we just, we just had this in, in New York with the, with the legalization of gay marriage. You know, right. there's... So there's always a kind of there's you know people people need half an excuse to kind of get in, to get involved in talking about what a family is if the supreme court has told us so clearly that when it comes to the free exercise of your religion you may believe anything you choose but you may not practice it if it's contrary to community standards now that's the standard they've used to control plural marriage and deem it as outside of the bounds of a normal society. Therefore, it's not free expression of religion. But right. if this test case comes forward, and there's going to be another polygamy test case in 2012 that will make it to the Supreme Court. Absolutely. I've, I've been following it. That's going to be coming forward, Nico. And so this is going to be at a time where the LGBT community will look at this and say, we may join as a friend of the court in this legal brief to say what is the appropriate role of any government entity to deem what is an appropriate or inappropriate exercise of the marital act. So this is a very interesting time. And what's being explored in Dark Sisters seems as if it's tucked in a red rock corner of a lightly populated Western landscape. But the consequences of it resonate in every corner of the American experience. They touch your life. They touch my life. Because our institutions eventually must weigh in and say, what does it mean to be an American? What does it mean to practice religion? 
Where do we draw the lines on what you may or may not practice? Right, and, I, and that's and that's kind of why I think as as a subject for an opera that I mean, opera can ask, opera can ask these questions at the same time while, while it's telling a, a story that, as you said, can can appear to be a small kind of tucked away rock. But what's what's actually what we're trying to do is is have a bigger conversation about you know about what it means to be an American too, because I mean that that was a that for me was the big was the was the thrill of this story is that it, it's you know in as much as it's traceable to to other kind of dramatic tropes from from history it really does start in this tiny town in Vermont and shoots off in this strange tendril across the country and and, and ends up in the strange the strange backyard um, oh exactly right you know when I was in grad school I had a marvelous professor who said you know Ken you're going to be wasting your time chasing all the noble storylines don't worry about what the founding fathers were thinking. Don't worry about what Lincoln said at any specific address. What you've got to realize is the American experience is shaped by those small, aberrant, determined, cranky little principles and people who push the outside, outside of the envelope to really define what it means to be an American. What is this experience about? How are we going to take it up in our artistic expression as well? So I think you're right on point, Nico. This is a small story that blossoms into a bigger story that begs for attention from each and every one of us. It's you know I'm I'm, I'm very I, I was I was thinking too like it, it's amazing to think that you know someone like for instance Carolyn Jessup or 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 like Flora Jessup you know a girl born into born in the in a speck of red earth in the, in the random place could could end up you know sparking a conversation that that really gets to the heart of the whole american thing and the whole sense of family it's it's really it's really fascinating to me um and it's 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 sort of as you said it's it's not the it's not big name people moving and moving and making proclamations but it's this kind of grit underneath underneath the skin that's going to turn into the the transformative moment um, and going right back to your 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 first and most important reference to joseph smith who would think that an itinerant lightly educated farm boy from upstate new york would be the person that would bring forth all of this and right. all of this with the capital A. I mean, all of this. Not not only Broadway musical success, not only choirs performing around the world or missionary programs that reach into every continent, but literally all of the theocracy, all of the spirituality, all of this quote-unquote Mormonism that seems to be around us in the 21st century, including two candidates running for president. Right, it's which that's amazing, too. In the most it started in the most unlikely setting. And you then know, all, and all of a sudden the you have from your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, uh, it started down the road from your house. It's pretty and, crazy. And that's, that's the, the most amazing aspect of this. So uh, the FLDS, the Dark Sisters live just down the road from my house. Okay? Right, exactly. <laughs> they live just down the road from your house as well. They're just down that road, and we don't go down that road. But what do we think about what's going on down at the end of that road? Yeah, exactly. Just, just around wives, the corner. <laughs> yeah. Are they prisoners? Are they captives? Or are they as the first wife? Are they that soldier of faith? Are they the Joan of Arc as the first wife holding the rod and staying firm in the face of all challenges and demanding order in those behind her? I mean, is 
Is that false? What part of this is false and which part of this is true? Which part of this is slavery and which part of this is the most beautiful expression of spiritual freedom that you or I might ever comprehend? Right. And, and also, and I, mean, I don't have a good answer for that. And that and that's what what is so exciting is that it is kind of unanswerable. And it's like, are are the women, are the women enormously empowered by this kind of crazy by this by this situation, or are they chattel, or is it both, or is it some kind? So it's a it's a very it's a very exciting thing to think about. It makes me in the 1970s, there was a very high profile independent polygamist by the name of Alec Joseph. He was actually on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine back in the 1970s. And he had five, sometimes six wives, and they all had individual careers. One stayed home and was, did a lot of the housework. Another stayed home and cared for the kids. But one was an attorney. One worked for the government in providing services. One worked as an accountant. And when you talk to them, you talk to the attorney, Elizabeth, and she would say, I consider this an extraordinary feminist act. I am empowered by this because I know my children are cared for by a family member. I can go to work. I can do what my passion is, the law, and I know my husband is there. I know we have a nuclear unit that's going to support each other. I go home and someone cooks a lot better than I cook. I go home, someone cleans a lot better than I clean. Yes, I bring a paycheck home, but that's my empowerment. That's what I bring to this. So that's just another one of those settings where you have a, you're sitting there scratching your head and you're saying, wait a minute, being the fifth wife equals the feminine mystique? I, I don't understand this.